0: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey
1: talk on every team in the NHL.
0: Hello and good day, San Jose, and welcome to the Stick Hungry Podcast, your home of the San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dylan Kazer. I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle McLaren. Kyle, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. I had, uh, by the way, I had some Pink Whitney for the first time. Uh, last night. Ooh, so be- uh, I'm, I'm actually doing great this
0: morning or this afternoon. You getting any flow in this afternoon? I mean, it should be a good episode with the Pink Whitney's on board.
1: Well, it's not right now. I'm on my whiskey, but uh, the Pink Whitney was definitely something I've tried for the first time. And it's, uh, I have to say it's not bad.
0: And somebody who knows all about the Pink Whitney's, Isha Jerome is on as a guest host this week. Isha, how are you doing today? Oh, very good. Very good. Thanks for
2: having me, boys. And yeah, I know, I know a little bit too much about the Pink Whitney. Before it even landed in uh, British Columbia, I, I was impatient. So like, I scavenged the island for the Newman's Own Pink Lemonade, bought some New Amsterdam vodka. And before going out to the country bar for my friend's birthday that night, I think I polished half the bottle. And uh, <laughs> I, I, apparently I walked home by myself. So uh, I, yeah, I, I got a special connection to the Pink Whitney, both the, the now beautiful bottle that I saw Kyle post on, uh, on Twitter mm-hmm. and my own concoction, which, by the way, almost exactly the same. So when the Wit Dog talks about the Newman Zone, Paul Newman's Zone lemonade and the New Amsterdam vodka, I swear that's, that's, the, I swear that's the recipe. That's what well, they did over there.
0: Guys, I actually have an old bottle of the Pink Whitney. I'll show you on the video here. Oh, they the don't... non-nuclear one. The non-nuclear waste pink. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the old ones... <laughs> kind of i guess the color kind of died off but uh those new bottles that you guys have those are those are pink as hell aren't they
1: yes they are R-
0: radioactive radioactive i mean
1: how long, good... been on, how long has that been sitting on your desk for you haven't finished it yet
0: oh i just said no i haven't finished it just take a little sippy poo every once in a while <laughs> like i said i'm not a huge vodka guy so uh just been keeping it around keep it for good memories right gotta, yeah. gotta keep the classics around dylan is classic jack and coke like not
2: even yeah. a huge beer drinker although and this is not beer I, I, on my birthday my uh, roommates got me some of those white claws now i don't usually like like the sugar drinks or anything but man these may be right up your alley and uh they're deadly they're no, deadly kyle's
1: kyle's shaking his head you know, uh, my girl's my girl's not a, a beer. She's a beer drinker. That's all she is. Okay. Uh, she'll drink uh, uh, seltzer every once in a while, but I'll tell you this: that pink Whitney, I gave her one last night, and her mom, and they like it. If you uh, cut it down with a little bit of soda water or sprite or something, but you know, I'm glad I finally finally found her a drink. But that white cloth, uh, there's other drinks. Uh, I mean they're deadly? Yes. And hangovers. Like you wouldn't have imagined. And that's the worst part is, you know, it's the sugar in those sinks. but they're not bad on occasion, but I can't see myself sitting there drinking White Claws all day.
2: Oh, I, I agree. Um, a six pack was like 15 bucks anyways. So
0: there's no way we could even drink throughout the day. Cause we
1: ain't that rich. <laughs>
0: I mean, what, what's a six pack of White Claws go for down in California? I mean, we get absolutely butchered on oh. liquor prices up here in Canada.
1: Well, what are the, what are they up there? Well, like fifteen ninety nine for a six pack. It's it's probably ten dollars maybe for a six pack down here. Oh, yeah, how much is it with the exchange rate and everything too? You don't worry about that. Yeah, how much is Pink Whitney? there? I drink I drink Pendleton right, uh, whiskey. I go up there and it's seventy dollars a bottle. I come here and it's 40, maybe 40 bucks. Okay. I'm yeah, like, I'm, oh my God, that's crazy. I'm a
2: huge whiskey guy too. So it's actually hard. Yeah, it's hard to find the good shit up here in Canada yeah. for like a decent price. How much does
0: a bottle of Pink Whitney go down there? Because it's about what, 30 bucks up here, Dylan? Yeah, it's about 20. Yeah, 25, 30 bucks okay. up here.
1: I spent uh, $12. No. Oh, and damn it. <laughs> it's almost like, that's almost like, I mean, I'm like, and there's only one bottle in the store. And it's, I mean, I'm not in a huge market in uh, Northern California, because that's usually what it's uh, going towards. But twelve ninety nine is almost like, what is it, uh, cheap freaking vodka? But I'm like, you know what? It actually isn't that bad. I, I enjoyed it.
0: And Kyle, that's why I keep this ball around. That's why I'm nursing it. I don't want <laughs> to drink away the dollars there. Uh, but let's give a quick uh, Twitter shout-out. You can follow the show on Twitter at StickHungryPod. You can find the network at HockeyPodNet. You can find myself at D-Y-L underscore THBN. Kyle, where can the fans find you?
1: Uh, Twitter is my uh, m uh, McLaren
0: underscore K. And Isha, how about yourself? Uh, at vi Sports Talk. And uh, you can find Producer T at producer underscore T-E-E. He's having some internet issues. I don't know if, you know, the network's overloaded because of, you know, everybody's on Zoom and everyone's streaming and playing games on, you know, Xbox Live and PlayStation. But uh, he'll be back next week, folks. Don't you worry. Um, Dylan, Dylan, you don't have to lie to the fans, man. He's in trail... Oh, and we yeah. know what he's doing there with the smoke eaters. He's in trail of the smoke <laughs> eaters as usual. I think, I think that smoke behind you might even be from producer team. Uh, we're going to have to look into it's that. The a it's the burn pile. It's <laughs> the burn pile. Yeah. We'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Uh, we're going to start off with a tough story. Um, Oilers forward Colby cave recently passed away uh, from a brain bleed. Uh, it, th- this is a tough story. It's one that you never want to talk about, especially such a young guy. At only 25 years old, I mean, it's, it's even hard to sit here and talk about it. I, I can feel my voice starting to shake because it's just, I, I don't know, it's, it's such a tough one. Um, what, what were your guys' first thoughts when, when you heard this news?
1: Uh, well, I think that, yeah, 25 years old. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he's been married uh, longer than a year. Um, so I feel for his family. I feel for his wife. Uh, you never know what happens. Again, we don't know if there's a, there was a fall or it was just something that just developed over time. But you know, when I when I saw that, you I mean I mean I you think about sports, it brings people together. When you're a player, is the community is is those are your brothers? It doesn't matter if you're playing against them uh, or you're your teammates, they're a brother. When I saw that, it was just heartbreaking. And again, it went on for uh, almost a week where he had an emergency brain surgery to relieve a brain cyst. Uh, his brain is bleeding. And all of a sudden you hear this, uh, what was it, yesterday morning? And it's heartbreaking. You know, and you see stories of, of teammates, um, even players he's never probably met, or players that have uh, retired or, or the NHLPA uh, Alumni Association. Um, we are a family. And something affects, like the Humboldt Broncos thing, uh, affects us all. You're a hockey fan that affects us all, and at least 25. I mean, is he's gone too soon? I pray for his family. I pray for his wife. Um, it's just for me, it's heartbreaking. And even, again, you know, I mean, even when I see stories about him, is you know, I get a little tear because you know what? I just think it's it could be me. You know, I mean? and I'm 42. The kid was 25. He was just getting his hockey career going, and that's the hardest part because you know what? He left a wife, he left a family, and uh, that's the hardest part for me is is just shit happens. Yeah, you just, anything he... happen, but it happens, and that's where it's like, oh my god, is is I can't I can't honestly believe that this can happen, but you mean you never know what again everyone's different and, and every time everybody's time's different. But again, at twenty-five is you mean I like I said I pray for his family, I pray for his wife. Uh, but he's gone too soon, and you. Know, I'm glad, and, and you see it. The hockey community gather around and pay respects. Because you know, I didn't know. I didn't know him, but you know, I know what he went through. I know what he went through as a player, and that's the hardest part for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, heart- heartbreaking is is the the best way to describe it. it. It hit me really hard when I saw the the Instagram post of of, of his wife, kind of you know, embracing him and with their yeah. quote and everything. And I, I, like you said, Kyle, to jump on what you said, the, the hockey world, especially the, the players, they're, they're brothers out there. I mean, Terry Ryan talks about that on his podcast as well. So to see not only the Bruins and the Edmonton Oilers reach out, because he did play like a chunk of games in the National Hockey League. He wasn't yeah. just, you know, an, an AHL or he was a professional athlete. He was a National Hockey League player and he was currently an Edmonton Oiler. And I guess, yeah, to to see the love that the community has brought to both you know, his memory and his family is awesome. For me, I was really shaken up. I, I just finished recording my podcast for the week. And I mean, I, I admittedly just started crying because after seeing that image, you know, Dylan and I know we, we had a friend early in uh, this year getting into a really bad car accident. And I went to go see him in the ICU. And I think it just kind of brought up that image again and and just to just to see that picture and and just to hear all all that it's heartbreaking so i got really emotional reading and and seeing the images in regards to that story as well and i mean condolences from from all of us here at the network to to him and his family
0: absolutely absolutely. our thoughts are with the cave family but uh let's move on to some other news i mean it's a it's a tough quarter to take but we're gonna take it uh, let's talk a little bit about Brian Burke. I'm sure you guys saw Brian Burke's activity on Twitter lately. Um, he was firing some shots actually at former Bruins GM Michael Connell uh, about a potential Joe Thornton trade that fell through the cracks. Uh, Brian Burke essentially saying that they gave uh, Michael Connell, former Bruins GM, a list of five players that were untouchable from the Anaheim Ducks. And they left open, you know, a a few good players after that list of five. They were also going to throw in a first-round draft pick, uh, a couple prospects. Now, a couple prospects on that Ducks team were uh, Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlav, which was quite interesting. Um, And Mike O'Connell's actually fired back, saying they actually never had any conversations about this. Um, It's just kind of funny. Times like this with no news, this is the kind of shit you got to bring up, but Know what a different league this would be if Joe Thornton was not a San Jose Shark.
1: Uh, you know what? So first, Mike O'Connell was assistant general manager. Okay. Harry, 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 Sinden, Harry Sinden was the general manager when I was there. Um, Mike O'Connell was there for uh, a long time. But that's, that's crazy. Cause you, you, Can you imagine Joe Thornton being a duck? Like, I, I can't. Like, there's, there's no way. But, again, it's, it's, if you have uh, Perry, Getzlaff, imagine the Bruins right now. I, I bet you they would have won a few more cups. But it's just crazy. You know, I mean, again, it's, it's Mike O'Connell's. He is the way he is. I'll say that. <laughs> that, that says
0: uh, a lot right there.
1: Right. Um, but, you know, what? if there's talks about that, I mean, again, it's, I think when, when Joe Thornton got traded to the Sharks, us in the dressing room had no clue that was even a possibility. And we gave up pretty – we gave up three at least uh, players that were on our lineup that were second, third liner players. Um, and to get a first liner like that – But again, is, can you imagine, again, is, is getting Corey Perry, which back in the day you probably know what he was going to be, or, or Getzlaff the same way. And even if there was other players involved – I mean, the Ducks, to me, it would have been uh, great, but the, to me, the Bruins would have been even better.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've always kind of wondered about that trade. I mean, you know, for the Boston Bruins moving Joe Thornton, was it, was it necessary? I mean, I, I think the reason they wanted to trade him was they wanted to shake up after that bad series against Montreal. They needed to do something, but I don't know. That seems like a desperate move. Is that kind of accurate, Kyle? Is that why they wanted to move Joe Thornton or just any player?
1: Would you really move Joe Thornton? Like, I mean, again, is like, why? You I mean, again, he was the captain of the Bruins, and to give up what they gave up or the Sharks gave up it was almost a steal to get him. And look at him now. But I don't know, again, going back in the day, and, and it, it just was that the best they could get for him? Because to me, there was so much better players. But again, I'm on the Sharks, so you went. Fuck yeah, give me Joel Thornton. And that's, I want, but but again, it's, it's not. I mean, again, I, can I imagine him on the Ducks? And you know what? I'm not a Ducks person. Getting playing in, in the Sharks, I hate every team that you're playing against. I just couldn't imagine him going there.
0: Well, go ahead, Isha. Well, I, I just
2: for just to comment on Brian Burt, quick, like what a what an entertainer right like even when yeah. he was working you know within hockey you know with the the Maple Leafs the Ducks and as recently as um, I believe he was a uh, president for the Calgary Flames. Like he still yeah. had that entertainment factor, you know, the, the things with his tie, for example, and, you know, talking to like city council of Calgary, you know, in, in talks, um, be- obviously before he left for Sportsnet and, um, and having his tie undone and just getting under like some of the city council's nerves to the, to the point where they were like shooting comments of like, well, at least we can tie our ties, bud. So I, I do really like that because he did a live like Twitter Q and a, and I think that's where this all started. Because then Spittin' Chiclets obviously took the conversation a little further, added some gas to the fire, and now you know. Now we're talking about you know an actual Twitter exchange and some some shots fired, as Dylan would say. So I just want to comment, just chime in quick, because obviously I'm not as dialed into the, the Sharks as well. Obviously you, Kyle, and Dylan, who's been covering the team all year, but just Brian Burke. I love now that he's on Twitter. He just kind of seemed like he appeared out of nowhere too. I don't even think he's verified yet. So at first I was like, I don't know if this is actually him. Because some people do some pretty damn good parody accounts on Twitter, but after reading the live Q&As and then everything, obviously, we're talking about now, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm
0: so excited, Brian Burks on Twitter. <laughs> he's almost like a pest player, you know? Everyone yeah. else kind of looks at him. They might, they might hate his antics, but if you're on his team, you know he's going to go to bat for you, and I think that means a lot, right? And everything's calculated, I feel like, in the media
2: and with his time in management,
0: yeah, I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take Brian Burke stories all day. That's uh, I mean, hey, he might be a replacement for Don Cherry on Hockey Night in Canada. Who knows? Throw Terry Ryan up there instead.
1: I actually, if, if it's not going to be Don Cherry, Terry Ryan's pretty funny too. <laughs>
0: terry ryan is funny and, and hey terry would be good at uh at cutting off ron mcclain too so <laughs> it, would work, it would work out pretty good uh, and they're friends it could work it could work yeah. friends actually i think one of the famous pictures of ron mcclain on the internet with like i think he's guzzling a beer he has a shirt off or something i think terry was there during one of those pictures dude that was in victoria at the local Oh, I know it? exactly what
2: restaurant oh that God. was in. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: so it was you. You got him <laughs> drunk,
1: <Yeah.
2: laughs> dude. First, like for his age, man, he's he was jacked in that picture. Like, I'm I'm going off talking about how I'm like getting in shape, man. What does Ron McLean do to stay in shape? Holy
0: crap! No kidding, and uh, yeah, that that guy's an absolute legend and, and a great guy too. And you know, a lot of guys after being on TV for 20, 25 years might get a little bit big headed, but that guy's always got time for people. And I've heard stories like. Ron McClain met their buddy 15 years ago and, he see, and they see him again and he'll remember their name. I mean, how often does that happen? I, I can't remember people's names that I, that I met yesterday. So it's, it's pretty amazing.
1: <laughs> he was um, a legend every Saturday night. I looked forward to Saturday Hockey Night in Canada. Listening to those guys, that was what my childhood was. Every Saturday night, listening to Ron McClain, Don Cherry. Uh, I mean, that's, I love those guys.
0: And, you know, for all you San Jose fans, go watch some old clips of Hockey Night in Canada. Oh uh, Coach's God. Corner, you know, one of my favorites yeah. is Don Cherry nailing Ron McLean over the head with the elbow pads, I think it was. He's going, over, <laughs> he's going, going on about how hard the pads were and he nails him on the head. And there's, I don't know, there's so many funny, uh, funny clips from those two. They make quite the combo. We're going to miss Don Cherry for sure. But he has his own podcast now. Uh, have you guys checked that one out? Oh, just as polarizing as when he's on TV. I love it amazing
1: it Don, it's, it's Don cherry that's all you're gonna say
0: it is Don cherry' <laughs> yeah. he, he's, he's never gonna stop being Don cherry and uh, yeah. that's what I love about him
1: hey, I um, think I'm on I think I'm on one of his Rock'em Sock'em videos too if you I don't think it's oh yes. me, but I think I'm on one or two of those uh, those VHS tapes
2: I was just going to say, I have one of, one of the series somewhere in a box at home, along with uh, my dad at UFC 1 on VHS 2. He
0: probably got them both at like a garage sale or something back in like the early 2000s. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, actually, Isha, we were talking before the show about this story. Uh, let's, I'll, I'll let you take this one away. It's, it's a pretty interesting one.
2: Yeah. And like something I just working with you, Dylan, back in the old stick and rink days and something I brought to the soda pod right now is like, we try to highlight all the, the hockey stories that, that, that obviously highlight women in the game as well. And this one is, is an unbelievable story and you know, ha- should be shared on, on every platform. Florence Schilling, former Swiss national team goaltender, uh, was just named the general manager of the Switzerland's SC Bern franchise, the first woman to be named general manager of a men's pro hockey team. At just 31 years old and just two years removed actually from retiring from professional hockey, uh, she, she's got this role. And I just th- think it's unbelievable. I wanted to give a huge shout out to her. Um, And some of her off-ice experience already has been uh, with coaching the Swedish Women's Pro uh, well, a Swedish Women's Pro club, um, and also the Swish Women's Junior National Team. And this is cool. This is a quote from uh, an article that Kat Silverman, formerly of the Athletic, now SB Nation's Mile High Club uh, mentioned that her attention to detail was, and I quote, made popular in goaltending circles thanks to the meticulous blog she kept, uh, logging her stats and improvements over over the years and throughout her career, um, which just further makes her a tremendous choice for a job. So on this platform and just you know, uh, with with you guys. Um, well, with me being honored, being featured on this show, I want to just give a shout-out to Florence because uh, we'll, we'll be following your career. And I know the, the Swiss League is, is miles behind the NHL talent-wise, but it's such a great stepping stone, and she's carving the way out for, for more women to get jobs like this in professional
0: hockey. It, it's incredible. I mean, 31 years old, she's appeared in three Olympics, and now she's the first GM or, or female GM in uh, professional hockey. It is pretty amazing. And, you know, honestly, there, there's no reason why women can't break in and get positions like this in the NHL. I mean, th- there's no difference. I mean... Well, uh, same on, with officiating, right? Because now
2: more yeah. and more women offici- uh, referees are, are starting to, you know, make appearances in the NHL too.
0: And uh, honestly, I mean, going into trade negotiations, I, I think a woman might be able to twist a guy a little bit more and get, get, some, <laughs> get some more value out of trades. I don't know. It might
1: scare some of the old men in the league. Yeah. It sounds like she knows what she's doing. You know what I mean, and she's, uh, she's got a great mind. So you know what? I don't see why you can't do that. You see a lot more assistant coaches right now in the NBA that are females Yeah, uh, and getting better positions. But you know, if you have a great mind for the sport, know what you're doing, does it really matter uh, if it's a man or a woman, as long as they know what they're doing and do the right thing? Uh, I think it's great. I mean, good thing for Switzerland. I mean, it's, it's, it's a first and it's uh, hopefully not the last.
2: I, I think it's just going to be a good challenge too, because I know the Swiss league has particularly hard rules in regards to their imports too. So just learning and maybe in a harder system, how to manage a team and then maybe moving up the ranks, you know, she's only 31. So even realistically in 10 years, moving up the ranks of the SHL and yeah. other, other higher level pro leagues in Europe could be a great stepping stone to North America yeah. as well with all that as a resume. And, and Isha,
0: you brought up female referees. How long do you guys think it's going to take until that's a regular thing in the NHL? Is it, you know, within the next five, maybe ten years, oh, or less I mean, than that? I think, less than them. that? Yeah, I think even preseason they have
2: like a, a few regulars as well.
1: You mean I was I was uh, I was actually listening to uh, Kerry Fraser this morning, and then uh, he he's on Twitter. He's he's a, he's a old referee that retired awesome, ten man. years ago. I love him. Yeah, I love him as a ref uh when we played because he was the one of the honest ones and we always gave respect to those but you know he, he even said is you want know everyone can ref and you want to ref you want to play but again it's, it's, if you can ref doesn't matter again what your gender is if you can keep up because again is hockey is one of the fastest moving sports uh that doesn't have a lot of whistles i, I mean if, if they can do it and get it right I'd welcome it. I mean, it's nice to see uh, a lot more women in the AHL, uh, different hockey leagues. But I bet you it's going to be uh, less. Uh, to me, less than three years at least before we see uh, women uh, refereeing a game in a head official. That's what I want to see. Linesmen are different, but a head official, because linesmen you have to get between grown men, my size, six four, two forty, Can they break up fights. But I bet you. Yeah guys would calm down maybe a little bit more, but again, is it's, they have to get physical in there. And and that's the only thing is, is I'm not taking it away from them. They can handle it if they know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great port point. And I think, you know, with the support from the other linesmen um, you know, if they ever get into situations like that, it's, it's not just them on the ice. We'll have, have support from that. But I want to keep on this ref topic. Any, any favorite refs from your playing days or, or maybe least favorite refs that you had to deal with over the years?
1: Well, Kerry, Kerry Frazier is probably my favorite. Okay. Um, I can't remember. He's civic. Isn't he? Wasn't he? Uh, he was like a 6'8", taller than me. Jesus. Um, and that's the only Well, I mean, there's a lot of refs that come in to play. A lot of them, I can't remember their names. And mostly, of the ones that I remember the most is the ones that didn't wear a helmet when I first came in the league. There was only maybe two or three that never wore a helmet. And Kerry Fraser was one. I know he put a helmet on later on, but he, didn't, he had that slick black hair. Uh, but he was just – he was a personality you could talk to, you could bitch at, you could tell him to go fuck himself. But he kept his composure and kept the game in play and kept it fair.
0: So when you come into a game and, you know, most refs have a helmet and you see one or two that might not, do you look at them and think, you know what, maybe I won't fuck with this guy. I mean, this guy's pretty <laughs> hard coached. He's out here
1: with no helmet. What well, you mean? Who's the last NHL player not to wear a helmet besides a ref? Was it Brad, uh, Brad Marsh?
0: Uh, I'd have to look this up quickly. I'll do a quick little right? uh, Googling on air here.
1: Right, but there's a, there, there was a few still that, for refs-wise, because they were they – mean. Then, I mean, I think some guys fell and stuff like that. But, you know, what? When, when you see those guys, you knew that they were experienced. Mm. And you knew they were, they were just there to do their job. They don't want to interfere with the game, call it uh, equally, call it fair. But those are the ones, the players that you know, players, refs, that you knew that was around the game and, and basically did the game the right way. I should
0: have known this. 1996-97 Craig McTavish. Oh my god! My without a helmet. <laughs> yeah. uh, what a boss!
1: Uh, god, I can go him. off to so of my. I against him. him too. What was, he, was he like he as, to play as a player? Play against? I was. Was he with the Rangers? Was his last year with the Rangers, or was it? it wasn't with the Oilers. I think it was.
0: Uh, sure. was it was the St. Louis Blues, Blues. Actually, was his last yeah, year. Yeah,
1: I just say that. Uh, yeah, I played against him one year, and I remember that. But again, is you look at you look back in the days of the old NHL in the '70s and '60s, and you see these players playing without a helmet or some leather mask or even a goalie. Can you imagine a, a slap shot coming at your head, and you know what, even now, a ball is thrown at me, I'm like, uh, no, I need to put something on. Yeah, like, crazy.
2: I mean, I heard on like a, a couple episodes ago when you when you took that that shot right to the dome. The, uh, you said it was tip. But it was a Sammy Salo shot. Like I was running at the time. And i like cringe I'm like, oh my god! Like this guy's this guy's a beast. That's insane. Because Dylan Dylan's quite the, the good ball hockey player. And yeah. me me playing ball hockey with Dylan growing up, I always played defense. that would jump in front of his shots. And like I, I've taken I've taken a bunch of balls to the body and it stung and I've complained. But I'm I i can not imagine taking a puck. And uh, well, if Dylan was fucking shooting at a or if like someone like Sammy Sallow was, like it's insanity.
1: Yeah, yeah you know, it, it, a puck to the forehead. I mean, oh. yeah, it went through my it went through my helmet, and it was just I was standing there, I was, I was waiting for it to block it at some point. You know, my shins, everything, because you know everything you use usually for a defenseman, everything wants to be two and a half feet off the ground. That's what It's basically over the pad, so that's what I was waiting for. And as soon as it deflected off the stick, it was. On my head, I went down. I'm like, "Oh my God, what the hell?" But again, is I didn't pass out, no concussion. But I mean, I block shots all over my body, and some parts that hurt, <laughs> you know. But that one was like, "Oh my God, like what just hit me?" And it was just like uh, I went down, bleeding all over the ice. But it's just something that happens. I mean, to me, that's hockey players. I could have played the next day because I think we flew back home, or or two days later. But I couldn't fit my helmet over my head because the goose, the goose egg was oh, so big that eventually they cut out the foam in your helmet so I can actually play I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. But no concussions. But, oh, my God, just remembering, like, seeing that. But just imagine you get that. I mean, I've seen players get it in the eye or, or face or a or fraction of their cheek. I mean, I have a Harry Potter scar on top of my head from that. And every time I – like, it'll itch every once in a while. I'm like, yep, yeah, I remember that freaking
2: play. That's more impressive than a freaking scar from Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. You got any special
0: powers
1: when you rub that bad boy? You know what I wish I did? Is my special power is drinking beer right now. <laughs> Maybe that's where it came from. Were there,
0: uh, were there any players, you know, when they wound up for a slap shot, you just thought to yourself, you know, I'm gonna I'm going to make it look like I'm trying to block this shot, but I actually don't want to get in front of it, you know? <laughs> But I see guys uh, trying to block a Shea Weber shot. I, I can imagine half of them are thinking, you know what? Is it worth it?
1: Shea Weber's one. Uh, Rob Blake was another one. Yeah. Uh, Al, Al McKinnis was another one. Uh, Chara. Of there's course. Players, but, but again, it's, you, know, you just do it. There's, there's no going, all right, who's shooting the puck? To me, the puck's coming towards the net, and it's not going to get towards the net. Like, I, don't, I don't want a shot on a goal. All every once in a while, you tip it and you freaking score a goal on your own goalie. That's the worst part. But we usually look up there going, "Well, we know who's on the ice." But you know, what? I'm going to sacrifice my body for the better of the team, and that's to me, that's the team sport of hockey. It doesn't matter what happens. You know, like I said. I mean, I fractured my skull. Guess what? The shot didn't get on goal. That's all I cared about, <laughs> and it didn't score
0: yeah yeah no that's 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 a great point that's that's the hockey mentality right there i i fucking love it that's 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 what makes the sport special honestly yeah. yeah all right uh let's uh,
2: just one one last thing speak speaking of blocking slap shots um and bringing you know since i do cover the minnesota wild a bit, bringing a little minnesota flavor do you remember uh do you know the player joel erickson ek um yes. he's a young player a swedish player for the minnesota wild he was drafted in the same year as brock besser and in, infam in infam- the infamously now because uh minnesota wild passed on brock besser to, to choose him earlier in the draft he's been developing quite well not as like a talented player but as honestly a player now with his just chubby smile and uh and just kind of like dumbfounded look on his face at time he's, he's been able to actually agitate a lot of players in the league and he's tough as nails apparently bruce boudreaux said that like he came into he comes into camp like in tremendous shape um blows all the testing out of the water. And this year, he he fractured his leg after blocking three Shea Weber shots in one shift. Oh one God, shift!
0: So He's won me over. It, d- yeah. Does that guy walk around with like a wheelbarrow to throw his nuts in? Because my <laughs> God, that guy's got some balls. Damn, I love it. I, I, I couldn't imagine getting in front of a Shea Weber shot. I mean... Like I'll send I, you guys the video.
2: I, ha, like I saved the shift. like I bookmarked it because I was like, this is insane.
0: Unreal. <laughs> unreal. Um, so I want to I talk about another topic here. I mean, we're all, we're all glued to the TV during this uh, quarantine session uh, because of the COVID-19. And I'm sure you guys have been watching some hockey movies. And I want to know from you guys, what's your top hockey movie? I'll
1: let you go first.
2: You should go for it. Oh well, Dylan knows it. I mean, Slapshot is 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 the best. It, it it's the king. However, Goon is like it's 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 the Canadian counterpart. It it's the closest second that it can get. And maybe as a Canadian, I'm a little bit more attached to it because there's a lot of like inside Canadian jokes that I'm sure Kyle gets as well. But um, I'd say Goon and Slapshot, they're, they're on par with me.
1: To me, uh, to me, hands down, Slapshot. Goon. Uh, they have a lot of references to uh, minor league hockey, uh, and a lot of things that most people that don't follow hockey won't get. Uh, the other one is was it Bloodsport? Uh,
0: blood? What was the other one? Um, young Blood. Young Blood.
1: That was a pretty good one too. Uh, but no, I mean I I'd say those are my top three. But again, it's, it's Slapshot mean, in the 70s, that to me was one of the stupidest, funniest, realist, like just take on a hockey minor league system. Anyway, you know, I can turn on today and sit there and laugh and be connected to those players. And you know, it brought us the Hanson brothers, which other than that, we wouldn't know the Hanson brothers at all. Yeah, if you go to my
0: Twitter page and look at my cover photo, I actually have a picture with the Hanson brothers. I think I was like four years old. Didn't know what the hell was going on, but I still got a picture with them. Uh, So, yeah, that was quite the moment. But I agree with you guys. Slapshot and Goon are definitely up there for me. It's kind of interesting though, whenever I see these questions on Twitter, I feel like Goon doesn't get enough love. I feel like lots of people leave it out. I'm not sure if it's because it's a Canadian movie and maybe Americans aren't, you know, haven't seen it and, and aren't comfortable with it. But I don't know, I think, I still think Goon's quite the underrated movie. It's because miracle, man. They'll do anything to flash their flag.
1: <laughs> I, haven't watched, I haven't watched that show yet, and you know what? I get it, but it's, it is not—it's not, uh, it's not my, one of my top, even probably ten hockey movies. And I don't even know if there's been ten hockey movies in my lifetime. Um, another
0: good—it's not a movie, but a documentary. Uh, oh man, it's the title of it's on the tip of my tongue, but it's about fighting in hockey. Isha, oh, do you remember the name of this one? Ice Guardians. Ice Guardians. Unbelievable. Yes. Yep. Yeah, unbelievable, folks. Go check that out if you have some time to burn. You, uh, you won't be disappointed. Um, another story I want to talk about uh, you know, we were talking about me being four years old. Fast forward to when I was probably 10, 11 years old. Um, I, I went to a San Jose Sharks and Canucks game. Um, the reason why I want to bring this up, and Kyle, I believe you were playing in that game, and the person dropping the puck was actually Queen Elizabeth, uh, the Queen of England. She dropped the puck. Uh, for that game, were you there at that game? Do you remember that at all? Do you know what year that was? I can't remember I what year it was, that was. I think it was 2002 uh, when that happened.
1: You know why I got traded to San Jose in January of 2002, 2003. So I think it was before I got there, actually.
0: It must have been before. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, remember, I
1: remember the whole thing. That was amazing. I mean, that's an amazing moment.
0: Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I honestly, when I went to the game, Uh, I didn't even know she was going to be there. We won the tickets, actually, so got to see her there. My grandfather's from England. He was pretty pissed because he's lived there for 70 years, never got to see her. (laughs) This little shit from Canada goes to a hockey game and gets to see Queen Elizabeth. But my question for you, Kyle, uh, what's the most famous person that you've had do a a puck drop ceremony at a game you've played in?
1: Oh, my God. Me? I I I I I did a puck ceremony once. (laughs) that's the best answer i could have imagined (laughs) for the hurricanes in lethbridge or what oh no i've done i've done other things i mean i've done i've done a uh, grad uh ceremony like a speech uh for my hometown nice Uh, how did that go uh that was fine i mean again it was one of my first speaking uh performances like just i'm not like a huge public speaker person uh back in the day i've kind of developed a lot but uh, one of my uh, parents' friends' kids was graduating, and they asked me to be the, the speaker at graduation, how to succeed and all that stuff. Nervous as – I was nervous as fuck. And I, my, <laughs> my date was actually one of my best friends. And he came with me, and you know, all he said is, just picture everybody naked. And I'm like, and everybody says the same thing, but I'm like, you know what? It's just, it just – it makes you relax a little bit more. I, I don't know what it is, but that was my first one. But we've had – Singers, we've had actors. LA uh, usually has somebody coming out or a rapper or somebody. And I mean, there's half the time I don't even know rappers because I don't follow that music. So, but I mean, uh, I mean, there's a few great ones. But again, it's I mean, even Boston. Boston has a lot of locals. I mean, like, yeah. like uh, you know, it just it's local celebrities. But it's a lot of people that people around the Sharks don't know. But I would have to say is you know when I dropped the puck and and uh, they were going through the whole alumni thing a couple of years ago, celebrating uh, uh, 20, was it twenty five years?
0: Yeah, or, yeah, like, for sure.
1: Sure. yeah. So They We had a bunch of alumni and stuff like that. And my my biggest thing I loved is they brought a, they brought me on the road, and I did radio for a whole road trip. Uh, oh, being that's the awesome! And that was so much fun, just being around the guys. But again, I've never done radio before, but it opened my eyes to a whole new, right? Well, this is what the guys see uh, on the radio. Because again, you see the TV guys and they're commentating, but radio is almost the same thing without a picture.
0: Kyle, would you ever play in an alumni game? Have you ever thought I, about I that? I have. They, have they you? do alumni here.
1: I've played a few times and they bring in uh, different celebrities, not celebrities, but different participants and you pay them out and they have like a, a tournament now is what they have. I've played in a few Um, right now I have to get back in shape.
0: Do, do me this favor. Next time you play in one, you don't have to deliver the check, but just line up like you're going to do a (laughs) check. And I want to see the face on whoever's on the other end of that. That would be pricey. Have
1: you ever seen seen the video of me and, um, Oh, what's his name? The one from Edmonton. He's a radio guy. Now, uh, Drew Romenda. You ever seen the YouTube clip of me hip checking him on the ice? Uh
0: no, I don't think I have actually. You're gonna have to send that one to me. Yeah,
1: so Dylan was, sent me a lot, a, but I don't think he sent me that one. <laughs> it was an old thing called Shark Bites, okay. and so he wanted to get hit. He wanted to know how I hip check, and it's about 15 minutes of of me lining him up, <laughs> and, and 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 he doesn't. He, I mean, again, he's a Canadian. I think he's an Oilers broadcaster, but he was a Sharks one before he uh, moved back to Edmonton or or Saskatchewan. And uh, oh my God. He had bruises on his body for at least two weeks after that. But I'll send it to you guys because you know what? It's funny. I'll uh, post it on my Twitter to see you guys remember it.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Can't wait to see that one.
2: Yeah. You know, w- one thing I want to ask, just circling back to that Ice Guardian movie, uh, Scott Parker yeah. was a huge like, like character in that movie. and He, he talked about uh, mm. in, for his off-season fight training, he used to wrap chains around his knuckles, go out into the bush, and punch trees now i i know you like played with scott parker like do you have any stories that you can tell us about him because i'm just as a fan i'm super curious because like i love watching the old fight videos and i love that documentary and after hearing that and watching like going back and watching this guy like just beat the piss out of people i was like yeah okay like that makes sense now that that was your your training regimen i mean this guy probably could crack through like helmets if he's punching trees with chains around his knuckles i mean you got anything you can talk about uh with us in regards to
1: scott parker do you remember him climbing over the glass? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, trying to get to somebody. You know, the thing is, is, is I mean, Parksey, I, I've known him since Kelowna days. Uh, he, was, he was in Kelowna at WHL. So I've known him since then. Um, when I started playing against him, he was with Colorado. That is one person I would not want to mess with. Him, Del Purrington, played for the Rangers for a little bit. I played with him in Kelowna as well. Seems like Kelowna Rockets had so many tough guys and so many good players back in the day and still do. But Scott Parker, the thing is, is is when he was away from the rink, he was the nicest guy you could imagine. If his switch was on at the rink, there there was no half. There was no off. It was a hundred percent all the fucking time. And you want love him as a teammate. But I remember that the one, he tried to jump over the glass and he wouldn't stop. Like he kept going and going and going. And he wanted to hurt. I would say hurt the guy. He just basically wanted to beat the shit out of the other team. And it didn't matter who it was. It was everyone, but he was one that you knew if somebody high sticked you, somebody, uh, check you from behind. He's the next person that's out on the bench. That's going to do something to make sure they knew that you can't fucking do that anymore. Uh, you've been in a few good straps over your career. Did you do any like
0: fighting training in the off season or was it just kind of a natural thing? Just throw the fist whenever you need to.
1: I've never properly learned how to fight or box. Um, until I, I learned how to box actually a couple of years ago, uh, took a class. But put this way, my first fight, my first time I ever got asked to fight, I was uh, in Bantams, trying out for a triple A team. And I play B. So in Canada, there's B, there's, there's C, B, and A. And oh, back in the day, an office still does. It depends on your population. So we were a B team because we were under 5,000 people in our hometown. So the next town over, Lethbridge, was uh, over 100,000. So they were triple A. So I went out and tried for AAA. <clears throat> first year bantam. So there's usually two years bantam and then you move on to midget and, and stuff like that. So I showed up and, my, and and I heard through school, somebody wanted to fight me. And I'm like, why? I'm like, really, like, why? Why, why, why am I here? Like, I'm, I'm here to play hockey, not to fight. You know, I was 13, 13 years old. So we lined up at center ice. I stood there with my, literally like this. And I'm like, no. I'm like, why? And it, but but again, it's, I wasn't ready. Mm. So my dad's my dad's in the crowd. We're trying to the triple A team. He's yelling at me, get the fuck off the ice. So I get off the ice, get changed, go home. I said, Dad, I said, you know what? I said, I don't know if I'm ready. So we go back uh, home. He's like, you want, What do you want to do? And I said, I want to play with my friends again. That was the best year I ever had. And next year I went back, and he was uh, he was an overage player. So he was already gone. Same coaches, everything. Made the team. Uh, Long story short is uh, we won Western Canadians, which was BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, I believe, of a a huge tournament that they have at that age group. And the player, uh, his name was Sean Grissom, (laughs) played – he had a cup of coffee with Detroit. Uh, But I never saw him again, never fought him again. And then two years later, my first fight was a line brawl uh, in uh, uh, Saskatchewan, with the Tacoma Rockets and, and I was sixteen and I fought a 20 year old and again, there's an age uh discrepancy there, so he knew oh, yeah. what he was doing oh, yeah. he was a fighter, and I beat the shit out of him until the last possible moment where I couldn't fight anymore and then my goalie stepped in and hit him with a blocker and, oh yeah it crazy story. <laughs> I'll tell you that
0: we need more live brawls like back in the day that's something oh, that' right? yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's that's awesome man um I want to take a quick break here, though, and talk about one of our sponsors at Manscaped. Kyle, I know you got a box from Manscaped. Uh, yeah. How's it treating you? You've, you've been a week in. Um, how's how's the Manscaped box treating you?
1: The box, I mean, the box is great. I mean, I love the toner. I love the deodorant. I love the trimmer. I mean, again, it, it, it's it's perfect for what I need to use it for. But I couldn't ask for a better razor right now. And especially, you
0: know, guys, if you're staying at home, you want to keep your lady pleased. So you're going to want to keep <laughs> things nice and trim. Manscaped going to be your best option for that. And we have a special offer. If you use the promo code THPN, you get 20% off your next purchase and free shipping. Hell of an offer right there. Go visit manscaped.com, promo code THPN, and get those balls toned. All I right. Mean, If you're watching
2: this on Facebook Live, your balls will be as smooth as my face that's freshly shaven right now. So there you go. If that's not going to sell the product, I don't know what's going to. Nothing will
0: if that doesn't sell Asia. Nothing will. Um, Let's get into the last part of the show. Uh, Kyle, last week we gave out – what was it? Best defenseman last week I think we did. Um, that was a tough one. We got ripped on a little bit for not involving Brendan Hillen <laughs> in the poll. Uh, but let's move on this week. We're going to do top forward. Uh, so the four options are Evander Kane, Thomas Hurdle, Timo Meyer, and Logan Couture. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a tough one. This year obviously wasn't the best season uh, for the San Jose Sharks. And if you look at the stats... No one really stands out. I mean, lots of our guys are around the forty-point range. Unfortunately, some of our forwards, our top forwards, are in the minus twenty range for uh, plus-minus. But I just want to get your thoughts. Who do you think was the top forward uh, for the Sharks this year?
1: Well, goal-wise, consistency-wise, I'd say Kane. But I don't want to say I don't want to say Kane. I mean, I, I, I mean consistency-wise. He's there. He's not. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's, it's he, he may show up for a week and then all of a sudden two weeks are gone it's like, where's Vander Kane? But, you mean Thomas Hurdle? You mean before? I mean, I like him. To me, he's my, he's my favorite. Kane's a, a really good goal scorer. Even Hurdle is too, but I think Kane disappears more than Hurdle does. Hurdle brings it when he's healthy. It's just, his health is a problem as well because he seems like he's always getting hurt. Where Kane will just disappear.
0: And, and, and Kane where, might get suspended for a few games here and there too, so that's something else to yeah. consider with Vander Kane.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. You, got, you got his temper, his temper too. I mean, that's that's a problem as well. Where again, it's you want him on the ice, but his his shit that he does sometimes doesn't warrant him being on the ice.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. I, I think I gave my vote, vote to Evander Kane just because everyone was so close this year, and I think he brings that physical element that a lot of other guys on the roster don't on the front end. Now, Isha, I know you haven't been following the Sharks, but just, just give me a vote. Who would you vote for on Twitter?
2: Well, I, I do want to bring something to the equation because, yeah, I, I haven't, I won't be in the, the the camp of the eye test because I haven't watched a lot of these teams, but just diving into just quick, like simple underlying numbers, I'd give it to Logan Couture. And I know he doesn't have as many points as, as the, the other players on this list, but he was the only one, and take it with a grain of salt, but he was the only one who had a plus minus of zero out of this entire list. The rest were south of, you know, minus 10 even. Um, and if you look at, you know, f- for what it's worth, if you follow any sort of analytics and even just Corsi, for example, his was at, I know 50 is kind of the threshold of a solid player but if you look at the other ones that he's competing with they were around the same or less so with both of those just additional statistics to throw into the equation I mean they can maybe put him over the edge as the player who may not have lit the lamp to to help this team but the team didn't win a lot of the nights and I think Logan Couture is just so solid as a two-way center that I think that he probably is the better player this year, even if he only has what, like 39, 40 points compared to closer you, to 50. Let me ask you a question.
1: Is he a number one center for the Sharks, or is he should he be a second, third line? Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I think he's definitely, he's at, and to kind of throw a little bit of like a Minnesota Wild comparison, he's like the Miko Koivu. He's never, he, He's not the elite threshold, and he won't be a Hall of Famer, but for the Sharks, he's their most valuable center, so obviously he's going to take those first line minutes.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Is he a bonafide top-line center? I'm not sure. Um, and, you know, if you're looking to win a Stanley Cup, you you kind of need that on your roster. I think you can also be successful if you have maybe two guys at that level. You know, you don't necessarily have a top line. You have two top lines that will split up time evenly. Um, but I'm not sure if the San Jose Sharks have another center like that. Uh, but, you know, since... You know, our vote was kind of split. I think we're going to have to go to the people here on Twitter. We got a hundred votes in uh, over the last uh, last hour or so. Um, you can find the page on Twitter at Stick Hungry Pod. So the results are Thomas Hurdle at twenty six percent, Logan Couture at twenty one percent, Timo Meyer at nine percent, which is interesting because yeah. he had the most points uh, this year. And Evander mm. Kane walks away with it at forty three percent. Um, so there we go. The the fans have spoken.
2: I'm surprised with the Meyer, uh, result. I thought it'd be like a really even split, almost like the defense
1: poll you guys had last week. I mean, he's a streaky player as well, though, but he's, he's younger. Yeah. He's still, he's, he's developing into that next stage. But again, is, is with all the injuries that the sharks have in their roster right now, he's had to, uh, escalate maybe faster than what they want him to, to be able to come a second or first line player. To me, he should still be on that third line this year. But again, this, I mean, they signed Patrick Marleau, which I never thought they were going to do. I thought they were going younger. So again, it's, this year is kind of an anomaly of where they were going and where they want to go because to me, he's still developing a, a, to be a great player.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what direction the Sharks go in the next couple of years. You mentioned, you know, we're trying to get younger, but at the same time, I feel like this organization still really wants to compete with this core group of guys Um, before we kind of end off the show last week, we forgot to mention about the, the humble Broncos and it was the two year anniversary of that tragic crash. And now Isha, we wanted to quickly talk about a story that we have uh, involving the Humboldt Broncos and I'll, I'll let you start off.
2: Well, I mean, I'll tell tell my personal experience and then yeah like we we both have a shared story after that but my birthday was last Tuesday the April 7th and a good friend of mine who actually played in the SJHL for Nipawan ironically enough growing up um it's his birthday on the 6th so two years ago we went to a local WHL game to celebrate uh on the on the, the night of the accident um the Victoria Royals and I think like around like 9 p.m the game was late in the third period and he got a text from a Someone close to him in Saskatchewan, close to the Nipawin Hawks organization, and that's how we got the news. He's a Saskatchewan boy, born and bred, very close to the hockey community there, and and you know knew a lot of the the players' parents even, who were involved in that in that crash. So that kind of hit him really hard, and we didn't know the extent of it obviously until later that evening. So we still like enjoyed the game, we still like you know kept our festivities going, but after both going home and 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 looking up more details on it and him getting a phone call by, from some of his friends. I mean, it was, it was a pretty hard night for, for, for the both of us.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can imagine, especially him being so close. And I know one thing I found interesting that you mentioned, you know, you heard the news, but then you, you kept on, you know, enjoying the game. And for me, when I first heard the news, I don't think it sunk in you know right away for me I almost there were no
2: th- numbers yet either of how many people were hurt yeah. or anything it was like just crashing in on that was pretty much i mean i don't have the text verbatim but it was very you know and he didn't even really engage until later until we he got a phone call and that's
0: when we really got the details yeah and i mean like i said i just when i first heard the news i couldn't imagine that it would turn out as bad as it did and you yeah. know just a couple of days later we had to go on the radio show um, our our old radio show here on Vancouver Island, the Stick and Rink Radio, and we had to talk about that. We took a few uh, caller, a few phone calls in live on the radio show about about the tragedy and I don't know that I, I just I'll always remember those two hours on air because that was one of the toughest shows that we had to do
2: yeah at the time it felt so long but now it's almost a blur about like I like I'm pretty yeah. sure we talked to like Pete Zaberski the owner of the the VIJHL's uh, Peninsula Panthers and and you know a, a few other I think even Chad you know the, my friend who, who played in NIP1 I think he we featured like a little hit with him as well about it but yeah, now looking back on it, I, I'm literally getting chills because it was it
0: was kind of a blur. But I remember in the moment that those were the
2: longest two hours of my life.
0: Yeah, I mean, Kyle, you being born from Humboldt, I know you didn't necessarily grow up there, but just being a Saskatchewan boy too, I'm sure, I'm sure that had a huge impact on yourself too.
1: You know, I, I was I was at my parents. I was at uh, uh, with a couple of weeks with my kids. When I came across, is I shed a tear. I mean, you just you you know. I mean, as a player sitting on the bus, and again, I, I played in Tacoma uh, before they came Kelowna Rockets, and we'd drive to Brandon. We, we'd drive all over the place on a bus, mm-hmm. even a six-hour bus trip or go to Victoria, the old team there. Um, but you, you understand what they're doing because nobody's usually sitting down. I mean, they're getting ready for a game. Some players are sleeping. Some players are on their phone. Some players are standing up. Some players are talking. Um, but it hits home because – you never know. It, it, again, it wasn't the driver's fault. It was somebody hitting them. And so they're doing all the right things right. But, again, as a player, you're, you're sitting on a bus, and I can't imagine. I mean, the moments before, but, I mean, again, I, I feel for the families. I mean, again, it's, it's some players survived, mm-hmm. some didn't. Uh, I mean, I, I'm happy for survivors. But, again, it's, it's something – I mean, there's no – and you know this. There's no, there's no seatbelts on buses.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, like that. Yeah. So, I mean, would, would that have helped? Who knows? I mean, you look at the the aftermath of that crash, but again, it's, it's being in Canada down here is, we didn't get much media of it, but being in Canada, at the time it happened um, gave me another perspective because sports down here is, is, is you don't see stuff in rural towns much like that. But uh, again, it's, it's, that's right with well, the hockey community and, and really everyone else. We felt that story. I mean, and again, it's, it's bringing it up and, and, being from there is, is actually where I was born. It, it, it hits home. It's like the, the Oilers player. It, it's everything. Mm. Dealing with hockey players affects all hockey players.
0: Yeah, I know it's such a tragic story, but, you know, one thing that made me kind of proud to be a Canadian was the way that everybody stepped up in support of the humble Broncos, not only with money. You know, TSN, I, I believe it was TSN, broadcasted the humble Broncos home opener, and they did an amazing job with that. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say,
2: did you guys see that, the, the year anniversary? And it was amazing to see the t- two of the survivors who rehabbed, and were able to come back and play in that first game. And that's when I, I fucking broke down, watching these guys. Yeah. And they, they both had good seasons too, which is just, oh man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it because I remember <laughs> watching that and I, like, I was like taking pictures, screenshotting it just like, and we had a just local to hold on to that here. memory.
0: Isha, just to cut you off a bit, we had a local guy here from Vancouver Island that actually went over to coach the team as well. Oh yeah, that's and, right, yeah. So that gave us a local connection. But yeah, just just the way the whole hockey community stepped up and, you know, it hasn't stopped. It's not like, you know, they were, everyone stepped up for those two weeks. It's still going on. There's still a huge amount of support for those guys. And, uh, yeah, our, our thoughts are with those families still yeah. to this day.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. All Curtis right,
0: Toneff, right, the former uh, GM and coach of the Buccaneers. He's uh, their defensive coach now. It, oh, is he? Because I know he stepped down as head coach at, at some point during the season, um, I'm not sure if it was that was their head coach he's the defensive coach right right okay gotcha yep. but uh, yeah humble Broncos I mean Colby Cave our, our thoughts are with all those families yep. I hate to end off the show at such a you know negative faction not, not negative but just just in that way but thank you guys for joining me on this episode of the Stick Hungry Podcast Isha thanks for joining us yeah uh, thanks guys nice with- to
1: meet you Kyle <laughs> nice to meet you too hey buddy buddy, Dylan love the shirt This needs to be a number four with a McLaren McLaren on the back.
0: You know what? I'm still waiting for my number four San Jose jersey with the signature on the four. I'm waiting for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, thanks, guys, for joining me. I hope you guys stay safe and and healthy during these times. And, uh, folks, we'll catch you next week on the Stick Hungry Podcast.